The Movie Health Podcast is proudly supported by Telemoods by eClapper Project Inc. Telemoods recommends which movies and TV series to watch by matching the user's mood and real-time offer of all streaming platforms. Download Telemoods today. This is the Movie Health Podcast. This is where we talk about movies and mental health. My name is Catherine, and today we speak to Pei. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, so Pei is a clinical psychologist and a PhD candidate at the Sydney Law School, University of Sydney. Her PhD research investigates the role of expert evidence in facilitating child participation in child protection matters in New South Wales, Australia. Pei is a research assistant at the Research Centre for Children and Families within the University of Sydney. Pei's research interests include promoting therapeutic jurisprudence and advocating for children's rights through social justice frameworks. Pei's clinical psychology experience includes assisting a court-appointed expert in conducting expert assessments over the last 11 years. She is also a practicing clinical psychologist with special interests in supporting clients with the history of complex trauma, as well as clients from culturally diverse and ethnic minority backgrounds. Thank you so much, Pei, for being willing to be interviewed today. Oh, thank you for the invite. Um, when we first met each other, we had a lot to talk about since we're both in private practice. Um, and I know that you know your work is very, very fascinating and we'll talk about it a bit more um, later on in the podcast. But first, let's talk about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So you, you chose this movie um, and I guess you would say it's your favourite film. Yeah, favorite in the sense that I think I I grew up with the movie and and it's got um sort of nostalgic origins for me as well. Um I think I I watched I don't remember exactly how many times I watched it, but the first time <laughs> I watched it was with grandma. Um mm. so for context, I didn't grow up in Australia. I grew up in mm. Malaysia and most of the movies in Malaysia were mostly you know westernized in English um and this was one of the few movies that was in Chinese that was sort of framed towards a western audience but also permitted um my family in particular who didn't speak a lot of English um, to follow and, and and also you know there were lots of actors and actresses that we were familiar with so yeah lots of good memories associated with this movie yeah, and I, I guess that's, you know, part of what makes movies so powerful is that um, it's kind of tied to our memories and experiences and even, I guess, um, in cultural roots. So I just wanted to do a quick um, intro about the film. So it was made in 2000. It's a martial arts adventure drama directed by Ang Lee, and it was adapted from the book by Wang Dulu. Um, it stars Michelle Yao, Zhang Ziyi, Chang Yun Fat, Cheng Pei Pei, and Chang Chen. I think um, I said all their names okay. <laughs> um, so the film is about uh, Master Li Mubei, a warrior, is about to retire and gives his sword to his lover, Yu Shu Lian, to keep it safe. However, the sword is stolen and now an embittered Li embarks on a mission to find it. So the film itself actually, um, just looking at Wikipedia, it grossed $128 million in the US, which made it the highest grossing foreign film produced um, Mandarin language film in American history. And it was the film that was the first foreign language film to break the $100 million mark in the US. It also received universal acclaim from critics. It was praised for its story, its direction, cinematography, and martial arts sequences. It also won over 40 awards and was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Foreign Language Film, Best Art Direction, Original Score, and Cinematography. Um, it also received the most nominations ever for a non-English language film at the time. And um, it won four BAFTAs, two Golden Globe Awards. And in retrospect, it's considered as one of the greatest films of the 21st century. So for you personally, Pei, um, why, why do you say it's, it's your favourite film? Interesting. I think when you look back to why you first watched a movie and how you reflect over why it's important to you now, I think there's been a lot of change. But when I first watched it, I think I was about 
14 maybe and Mm. and at the time growing up in Malaysia was very much about my role as a a young woman and and you know gender stereotype roles of of what that would look like for me and I think what was really enticing for me was um the main characters the main protagonists were women in this in in this movie and that's Mm. very different to how women are usually portrayed Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in a lot of the Chinese films anyways and it was almost reminiscent of the storyline in Disney's Mulan where it's about this woman who's you know super strong and she um, sort of transcends her role and, and fits into what is usually a really male-dominated society um, mm-hmm. and just brief diversion our family is actually really close to Michelle Yeoh um, and this was oh. before she became very famous so um, she she's more of a family friend. I've never seen her as a movie star. So at the time, it was almost like, oh, let's just go watch this person that we know through the family at the movies and not, you know, realizing just how big an impact she had. And obviously she's risen to stardom since then. Um, but I think for me, I, I I sort of related to a lot of the themes in the movie. So it's a, it talks about love, honor, duty and loyalty which uh, I, I see it now as it's very um so geared towards asian values whereas like, and sort of oriental centric themes and i hadn't thought any differently because that was the world i grew up in um and having moved to australia and obviously lived very differently and and have a more westernized sort of lifestyle now i, I look at the themes and go oh that was you know that that resonated with me and grandma and 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 I was actually reflecting in the same way that um, a lot of families in Australia or, or indeed the Western world, you know, will watch Home Alone 1, 2 and 3 over Christmas. Mm. This movie was what I would watch with Grandma when I catch up with Grandma. Um, so she remains in Malaysia. Um, and, and for us, this movie was very much about women being strong. I think that was sort of mm. the main message. Um, and I was very lucky that my grandfather and grandmother were all about, you know, you don't have to stick to being this good girl that's, you know, wears pretty dresses. You know, we want you to be strong. We want you to have the courage and the strength to do what you love and, and what you're good at. And and I think they were ahead of their times because it wasn't mm. the mainstream view. And this movie was probably the first movie where I felt like I did have permission to be to transcend that you know the the gender ascribed roles because Malaysia is a very um, uh, a Muslim uh, based country that was our national religion so I think there were mm-hmm. there were a lot of um, gender based stereotypes and and I, to a certain extent I think I felt shackled to societal rules at the time. Mm. Um, I think what I loved about this movie was yeah, for me it was it was more about women being strong, women chasing their dreams, uh, chasing what they wanted, but also advocating for what was important to them from a value based perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was you know breaking free of those traditional gender based roles attached to to men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and I would totally agree. The film is very empowering. And it's interesting that you mentioned Mulan. It's actually my favourite Disney film I know. Um, for that very reason. Like yes. I, I've seen that movie so many times. Like I can't even count. And as a child or as a young person, I used to actually um, recite the whole movie. And, of course, every now and then like watch the, the, the main song, Make a Man Out of You, um, if yes. I wanted to feel empowered. <laughs> like just... Yeah, was it a thing for you as well? Yeah, it is. I think there are a lot of parallels, and um, I I think Mulan was probably a close second to this movie. So, yes, uh, yes, yeah, definitely. uh, Um, but yeah, and I'm I'm really curious. I know you kind of mentioned it, but what what's your grandmother's perspective about the film? So, I mean, the the last time you watched it with her, what, what was her response to it? It's like I think. Grandma probably doesn't delve into it as deep as I probably have and, you mm. know, gone into the reflective sort of stages. I think for her, she sees it as a woman having her duties and, and knowing, um, you know, what her duties are, but not being afraid of stepping out of 
where she needs to be. So one of one of the protagonists, Jin Yu, who's played by Zhang Ziyi, who's this really pretty young young girl who's a daughter of um, an official, and she escapes this arranged marriage to, I suppose, become who she wants to be in a spiritual sense and trying to find who mm-hmm. she is. And I think in tra- through traditional lens, I think my grandma would have gone, oh, no, but she, she should have married this this person that her parents have arranged a marriage for because that was consistent with what my grandmother knew. But as she was mm-hmm. watching it, she did tell me, she went, oh, you know, isn't it amazing that this, this young woman could, could go out and, and do what she what she wanted to do and she was so good at it so I think I was getting the subliminal messages of it's okay to buck the trend um Mm -hmm. and it's also okay to try and find who you are without grandma explicitly saying it um yeah yeah yeah, she's always sort of been my biggest supporter in in everything I've done so Mm. yeah. yeah. So, so in in that way, would you say that um Jen's character it serves as a role model? Um. Yes and no, and I think the movie is kind of interesting because it almost portrays two different types of feminine roles. Um. So Jen is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um. But you is. Uh, played by Michelle Yeoh was probably the other one and you uh, Michelle Yeoh's character was more about being the grounded more mature um Mm. sort of more disciplined and and almost follows what society tells her she should do and and following the morals of what she thinks she should be doing and then there's Jen who's more of um younger at heart and probably more feisty and follows mm. her heart and and um and I don't think there's a right or wrong I think there's virtue to both characters and and it's about choosing what's what makes sense for you and what's good for you and I think that's a, the essence of the movie it's following your heart um and that's what comes through at the very end uh, without spoiling the ending for anyone who who chooses to watch the movie, it's about mm. making a decision that's true for you, and it and it can be so different for for anyone. And I think that's what I love most about the movie that it's not saying you have to follow one path; mm-hmm. it's actually saying you can choose. Um, and I think as as a teenager at that point, that was really empowering for me to to yeah. know that I could choose and I have choices. Um, and I didn't have to do something where I felt that others said I had to follow. Um, and I think that carries into my work now as well. It's not so much about... Yeah, sorry, Pay, it keeps cutting out. Oh, all good. Hello, can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so I think I was just saying it was more about, I think, the themes of the movie carry into sort of the way I work now with clients as well, that it's not mm. so much about me deciding or the client deciding where we should go with therapy. It's it's us together being collaborative and mm. coming up with solutions that's best for the client at the time. Yeah. And yeah. having the freedom to choose. Mm. And I think we also talked about it um, the first time we met, how um, you know it is really important that we work with the client and um, it's interesting because in the film, you know, like we mentioned, you know, there's themes of authenticity and integrity. And of course, one of the main, um, I guess, one-liners, like gems of wisdom from the film, which is near the end and hopefully not spoiling anything, but um, it's whatever path you take in life, be true to yourself. So I will not say who says that to who, but you're very mm-hmm. much aware of who. Um, and I'm just really curious, who who would your favourite character be then in, in this film? I was actually thinking about this last night and, and rewatched it and, and tried to go back. I think for me it would be Jen Yu. Um, it would be just this young person who decided that she didn't want to follow the path of what was set out for her, wasn't afraid to mm. um, challenge um, sort of life 
the life journey that others had plotted out for her and and wasn't afraid of making mistakes and also followed her heart for a lot of the decisions that she made. Some, you know, made mistakes, mm-hmm. but also could reflect on those mistakes um, and then almost reflect on where she needed to be and who she wanted to be. So I think her character probably undergoes the most growth. Um, mm-hmm. And I think for me, she was probably my favourite. Um, Jade Fox, who is the, the baddie in this movie, her real name is Pepe, which is the mm. same as my name. And um, <laughs> yes. and it actually translates, Pei translates to Jade. So I think, oh, and so okay. that initially for me, I thought, oh, maybe maybe there's a lot of similarities with me and, and Jade just by namesake. You know, as a, as a child, that was where my, my brain sort of translated mm-hmm. a lot of it. Um, but no, I, I think, yeah, I think I would go with Jen Yu as my favorite character. Mm. Um, I, I would agree with that, actually. I think if I had to choose between the three, I guess, amazing kind of um, female archetypes, I, I would choose Jade as well. Um, sorry, Jen. Jen, not Jade. Um, yeah, I think she she was really true to herself, like you said. And I loved how feisty she was. And um, one of my favorite scenes is the um, when she's interrupted, um, when she's drinking tea, and then she's basically up against all these men in a tavern. Yes. Um, like just that that was incredible. Um, I, I wanted to mention a few scenes that really stood out to me and just, you know, wondering your perspective on them as well. Um, the the other scene, I guess one of the really epic scenes that, you know, a lot of people talk about is obviously the, the one-on-one combat scene between Jen and uh, Lou. So when, you know, uh, Jen uses the green dragon sword and it's basically just one of the best kind of fight choreography that I've ever seen um, in any films Um, and then there's the other scene where there's a fight between Jen and her lover Lo um, Mm -hmm. who we haven't mentioned yet Um, and they're on two horses like I I don't think I've seen that kind of scene in um, in any in any other film in the past Um, and obviously uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't mention this last scene because it kind of kind of ruins it it is a bit of a spoiler but there is there is a death there is a tragedy that occurs near the end of the film and it's very emotional. It's a very passionate kind of scene um, and it, it is very resonant with um, what you mentioned about um, going with the status quo and kind of, uh, you know, honouring your duty. So I won't, I won't say any more about that, but um, were there any other scenes that, you know, stood out to you or did you want to speak to any of the scenes that I mentioned? I think the one that you mentioned where... I think it might be the one where it's between Jen Yu and Yu uh, Shulian, where they, you know, it's just two strong women who just go mm-hmm. with each other. But I think what really stood out for me for one of the scenes, um, where Michelle Yeoh just says, stop everybody out. This is just me and Jen Yu. Um, and it's almost like a maternal <laughs> response. It's, you know, I am putting boundaries. You know, we're causing chaos here, but I'm putting mm. boundaries within this chaos. This is just you and me. It's personal. Um, but no one else needs to, to be involved. Um, and she's also saying, you know, clearly you haven't got a mastery of your emotions and, and a mastery of, of managing your, you know, your impulses. So let me, mm. you know, let me teach you. And, and I loved it. Um, and there's also the bamboo fighting, uh, bamboo oh, yeah. forest, um, where Li Mubai, played by Chow Yun Fat, where he he's just so calm. And I think, you know, now watching it now as a therapist, he reminds me of a therapist that just allows the client to mm. you know to push back, to push boundaries, to challenge, to um to almost rage in in whatever um state that they might be in and he's just reflecting he's just mirroring and he's giving them space and he's imparting wisdom Mm. um i love the calm that he brings to it i think sometimes in in many of these fighting movies like you've said where it's always about you know who's the strongest most aggressive whereas i think this movie very much shows how you can you can still win a not a fight but you 
you know, you, you can stay calm, you can manage your emotions and, you know, there doesn't need to be any casualties in the process. Um, mm. Yeah, um, it's it's really fascinating that you mentioned him. I, I didn't actually think of that, the, the relevance with therapy, but that's very true. Um, his character was always so composed and he always had such a firm grip on his emotions. Um, and I think, you know, that was really powerful for sure. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm really curious though, if you've seen the other film, um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny in 2016. No, and I I came across it a number of times and mm. and I think um, I remember the the main reason why I haven't watched it is because Michelle Yeoh actually texted one of her close friends and, and um, my aunties within the, that group of friends and she says I'm the baddie in this next <laughs> iteration and I think for me I just couldn't tolerate the thought that she becomes this baddie <laughs> so mm. um I think I wanted to preserve her for who she was in the original. Yeah. Um, I don't, and, I, and I think at that point I had moved to Australia as well. And it just didn't feel the same to watch it without mm -hmm. my grandma. But I did text grandma last night to say, hey, we should catch up. We should watch this the next time. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I said, it's been so long. And she went, oh, I knew it was there. But she, and then, you know, in, in true grandma form said, but Michelle has done all these other movies. Like we should watch all the other ones first. <laughs> um, the better ones out there. Um, yeah. So uh, no, I mm. haven't. Is is the short answer. But um, there are intentions to watch it. But I think at the time, I just couldn't. When I first heard that about the second movie, I, I think yeah. I couldn't reconcile that. You know, she she was no longer this this calm person of. Um, know sort of the the good guy and that she she almost mm. has a flip in in um, her intentions yeah it, it must be pretty incredible to know her personally um and to watch her on screen and see her portray you know these particular characters I haven't seen the second film either um I hope it doesn't ruin the experience for you watching it and, and seeing her in that light <laughs> um <laughs> maybe we, we both should watch it we both yeah, should watch it and watch like it let together. each other know yeah. what we think but yeah we can um, watch it together exactly yeah um, yeah. <laughs> so um, in the beginning, you mentioned some themes. Um, I love how you, you mentioned love, honour, duty. Um, was, was there another one that you said? Sorry, I don't know why I wrote uh, honour twice. Love, honour, duty. I think loyalty was probably the last one. Loyalty, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and they really resonate, I think. It feels mm. very – I think those qualities and those values feel very much like home. To me, yes. I think um, I think within our family that there, there is you know a lot of reference um, to being. I think less so with love. I think love mm. at times can be more of a westernized um, perspective on on how right. um, how people connect. I think within uh, certainly within our family. I'm not speaking for anyone else, but I, mm. I think within our family, I think loyalty probably comes over and beyond love I think our family demonstrates mm. loyalty you know in a easier way and I think in a more natural way than I think that they do communicate love um and, and they still love love each other and love us yeah. it's just that um yeah I think those values just speak speak to our family mm-hmm Mm -hmm. um, and I also I kind of identified um, some other themes and just wondering if you you know had anything that you wanted to say about about it so obviously there's the conflict between freedom and desire mm -hmm. there's um, you know I mentioned integrity and authenticity wisdom um, like the warrior spirit forgiveness I wrote love as well justice and revenge um, and sorrow and solitude do any of them speak to you I think all of them do all of them do come through in the movie mm -hmm. and I think um authenticity probably speaks most loudly to me as you were as you were mentioning mm -hmm. some of those themes there and I think Jen Yu's character in particular in terms of how she's finding what's true for her and and also with Yu Shulian mm -hmm. it's it's you know this tension I think 
throughout the movie, I keep getting a sense of the tension between her her duty and and the freedom to choose what she really loves and who she really loves is Limu Bai and, and I think the same for him too, mm. that he he has a position of um of power to a certain extent, um and wisdom and integrity and, and he's also torn between how he balances mm-hmm. that with love. Um so yeah, I think I think the undercurrent to the movie as well, despite all the tensions, is that balance. It's finding the balance and the center. And and it's yeah. very I think that's very in line with the martial arts theme of the mm. movie as well. It's always trying to find a center that things might throw you off center. Um, and it's coming back to how you find middle ground and, and staying grounded. Yeah, just wondering if you've seen Memoirs of a Geisha, because I guess that um, that stars Zhang Ziyi as well. I have, although it's been so long, I think I couldn't really draw a lot, a lot from it. I did read the book as well, um, but uh-huh. I think there are I, I think there are themes that do that do cross over. It's you know it's the deconstruction of feminine roles that are ascribed. Mm-hmm. Um, to women and and almost how and I suppose to a certain extent how the male masculine roles sort of construct the feminine roles and how they work together. Um, yeah. And I think what I really love about movies like Mulan, like you know Memoirs of a Geisha, and and also Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, it's about reimagining mm-hmm. roles and and having the freedom to do that. Yeah. So would you say that, um, you know, these three films kind of break the mould? Yeah, I think they do. And I, and I think, I mean, I, I don't know how, how you feel about this, but I think mm. as an Asian woman looking at roles that, you know, are, are usually very rigid and yeah. very binary and also sometimes very limiting having movies like this where we're changing the script, we're changing the narrative, I think that's really exciting as well and, mm. and it's it makes the characters really empowering and exciting to follow and also I think just gives me hope as well for the next generation that we don't have to follow the path that we, you know, that we're told for thousands of years this is the path you should follow and that's the only path you can take. That um, you can recreate who you'd like to be in the future mm-hmm. version of you. Yeah, and I think like that would resonate with so many people, um, you know, from different cultures anywhere in the world. Um, so the, the the story is very universal, um, mm-hmm. but obviously it it has that um, you know the the very like cultural elements um, that are tied specifically to um, like Chinese culture and and you know. Um, Wu Dan, Wu Dan martial arts, so that actually exists, right? That's um. From my understanding, it does. Yeah. Um, I think Wuxia martial arts is probably what they refer to. Um, and I think, um, from what I understand, most of the actors had to do their own scenes. I don't think there was a lot of mm. um sort of stunt doubles there might have been a few but from what I was under- hearing yeah. some of the actors actors and actresses had a few minor injuries in the filming <laughs> um, not surprised yeah yeah and and I and I did yeah, hear some that, pretty intense scenes yeah and I did hear that they were training for a full year for for a lot of the scenes um oh, like wow. choreography and yeah. there was a lot of using safety lines so they would hover you know there's a lot mm. of hovering in these movies yes um <laughs> so it's teaching them how to land how to you know how to move in space mm-hmm. um so i think the movie even though the storyline itself um was really interesting to follow i think the choreography and, and the martial art scene was yeah it was pretty spectacular as well Uh, which which scene? Sorry. No, I was just saying, just generally, um, with the mm. with the movie, um, even though there was, you know, a very strong storyline, it was still very much about the artistry mm. of of 
you know, martial arts and and I think they did it, you know, good justice in terms of the athleticism as well as the grace um that they brought they brought to the scenes. Yeah, yeah. I also found the score was was very, very beautiful. The the music that accompanied, you know, like every scene was just so magnificent. I would actually call it magnificent. Um it was just really like emotive mm-hmm. as well. Um and I mean I know Ang Lee, so he's um he's a pretty versatile director. Um over the years he's directed Life of Pi, Brokeback Mountain, Hulk and and Gemini Man and like a, you know a whole range of films. Um were there any other films that you know that he's directed that you you also really enjoy? I didn't realize he did Brokeback Mountain as well. Yeah. Um, right, okay. Um I think he from just from following a lot of the reviews initially he was criticized um, for portraying some of the characters through a westernized lens is what the critics oh. were were sort of putting forward to him. Mm-hmm. I I probably disagree with some of that. I think it actually bridged the gap between sort of Western perspectives and sort of Eastern expectations of what some of the characters should be portrayed as. Um, and I know there was also a lot of criticism about um, the language that the movie mm-hmm. chose because they use Mandarin and Chao Yong Fat is from Hong Kong, so he speaks Cantonese. Oh. So his Mandarin isn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to his credit, they they spent a lot of time honing his Mandarin and um, Michelle Yeoh. Um, mm-hmm. I think is more comfortable with Cantonese as well, but she she really oh. worked on her her Mandarin for for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think coming back to your sorry, just deviated, but coming back to your question on Ang Lee's and other other movies, I I wasn't aware that he was as versatile as he was, and mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, and yeah, actually quite impressed with just the range of movies that he's he's worked on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I've I've watched some interviews of actors who I've worked with him. Apparently, he did Sense and Sensibility as well with Hugh Grant, and um, Hugh Grant was saying oh. how um, Ang is a very exacting director. I mean, I know directors generally that that's the kind of um, you know, way that they they are. But um, yeah, he was he was making a comment about that, and I was like, okay, well, like this is a thing. He he obviously makes films of of high quality, and he knows exactly what he wants. So, um, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure what the last film he directed was, um, but I'd, I'd love to to know if um he is directing something. If something's in the process, and we can see um some of his work soon. Um, but yeah, I th- thank you for talking to me about um this film. It was really great to watch, actually, for the first time from my perspective, and I'll definitely be watching it again. So thank you for for um saying that it's your favorite film and for us to talk about it. But now I just want to um, say, so you have a very unique experience and knowledge in psychology and research, um, you know, from the intro that, that I said about, um, you know, what, what you currently do, what you have been doing, um, what we've been talking about, like the, when we actually met in person before. Um, I'm just really curious what your mental health tips are, um, what you would like to share with listeners today. I was thinking about this and, and I listened to some of your previous episodes too. I think mm-hmm. lots of um, people have talked about the importance of, you know, the basics such as, you know, your mm-hmm. sleep, your nutrition, your regular meals, um, not using substances. Um, and, and yes, I think that that's probably where I start off with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where I, I would extend, and it's something I'm trying to bring into a lot of my sessions now, is is the concept of play. Mm. And what I mean by play is is more about engaging in, you know, an activity or a hobby where, you know, there are no outcomes associated with it, no KPIs, you know, no measures yeah. of success. I feel like we live in a world where we're always, set, you know, told to measure productivity, you know, count your calories, count your, I don't know, your steps you know, what's your weight and track how fast you're running or how many hours you sleep. You know, we've got gadgets that do all of that for us. Mm-hmm. So when I work with my clients, yes, it's important. We, we establish the foundations of sleep, nutrition, health. But we also look at 
when can we just have time off for mm. it doesn't have to be extensive it doesn't have to be long and I often say let's be intentional about it so it's not a mindless or dissociating exercise but it's maybe five or ten minutes a day where you can just be you and coming back to the movie be true to you you know what mm. what are the sort of activities that resonate with you where your inner child can almost come through mm. I think a lot of the clients I do work with um at the moment um it changes often but at the moment are uh, high functioning have have a lot of pressures on their day-to-day um and many of them are also um, young parents so it's you know it might be 10 minutes mm. where where they you know might be knitting or baking or or even engaging with with a young child or a puppy um or going out to um you know into the garden and, and just being with nature for, for five ten minutes or it can be longer where people go out on big hikes or, or they learn mm. to master a different tool but I often say there there are no rules the only rule is that it doesn't become an avoidant strategy or a um or a harming uh, or an activity that could potentially harm them that's probably the only the only rule mm-hmm. um, so I think play, you know, we, we often in therapy, it's very outcomes focused. It's very much about how do we measure that you're doing well. Mm-hmm. But I say that's important, but also let's, let's give you permission um, to, just, to just be you um, mm-hmm. and reset. Um, I think one of my younger clients who's, who's big on computer gaming um, talks about sometimes I need a reset. Yeah. It's having that time, you know, whether it's play or reset or creativity, um, depending on you know what terminology we use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the first one. Um, yeah. And and related to that, I actually came across Kelly Lambert's work very recently, and she says when you use your hands, mm-hmm. it activates a part of your brain. I don't know if you've heard of it, called the effort-driven rewards circuit. So, you know, when you're using your hands to do things like gardening or making pottery or knitting, Mm -hmm. or I have a friend who manually grinds her own coffee, I say, you know, this triggers the circuit and it releases this happy neurochemical like dopamine and serotonin. Mm -hmm. So from an evolutionary perspective, our brains are programmed to to gain neurobiological rewards from our physical efforts. Mm -hmm. So if you're using your hands to create something tangible or meaningful Mm -hmm. um, or contribute to your resources for survival, that actually triggers a happy release of um, what I call the happy neurochemicals in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes when I'm talking to my clients, I'll go, you know, is there something that you do, um, yeah, with your hands, you know, whether it's being creative, whether it's it's touching, whether it's sensory, um, that just helps you feel good. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's something that we, we work on. Um, and the second thing I would say is um, it's related to the, the tracking of, you know, good sleep and good nutrition and exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think almost every single client that I'm currently working with has their own journal. So mm-hmm. it can be a therapy journal or it can just be a log. It doesn't matter. Um, I give clients the option, you know, you can go digital, you can go, you know, pen and paper. It's entirely up to you. But for I think coincidentally, almost all my clients have chosen pen and paper, I think because it's tactile as well. Um, And they use it to log, you know, not just the helpful habits, but we work really hard on self-reflexive and self-reflective skills. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, sometimes I I realize that sometimes it it transfers over and becomes this (laughs) self-flagellating exercise. So so I teach them, I say, look, you've got to be able to discern between when it's helpful and not helpful um so you know they they might do a brain dump of what's happened in the day or or what's troubling them and it means they learn to to either put the thoughts aside for the day if particularly if it's very intrusive Mm -hmm. or they learn to give it a space to say Mm -hmm. you know I'll you can live with me and you're really annoying but for the moment I'll just tolerate you or I'll I'll learn to work (laughs) with you or I'll process Mm -hmm. you um and and it goes hand in hand with the emotional regulation skills i think yeah. um but it it's a non intrusive way of you know letting them be almost at one with their thoughts and not having to change it so being coming back to mindfulness you know not having to change it not having to judge it 
um, and just being aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as part of the exercise of the self-reflections, a lot of my clients are getting very good at this too. We do what's called a body scan mm-hmm. where I'll say, you know, the first thing you do when you get up in the morning, before you touch your phone, before you start checking for updates or, or you know, notifications, just check in with your body. Do that, you know, what you would do with your scrolling on apps. Do the scrolling mm-hmm. through your body. You know, scroll through what's happening from from your mind to your to your chest to your shoulders. You know, is your body holding on to tension anywhere? Um, you know, is there unfinished business? Are there niggling thoughts or, or are you a bit tired? Um, and I think when they're aware of how their body's starting off in the day, they can readjust the rest of the day and what it looks like for them mm-hmm. um and and I hope and, and and I talk them through it and I say you know this is about teaching you to just just to be your own um your own best friend to just mirror mm-hmm. and to look at look into you and just check in um and some of my clients have said that it's not just in the morning that I do it now I'm actually I'm noticing that I'm doing it when I'm standing in the lift or when mm. I'm driving. Um, and and I think what's really wonderful, it's no longer just a conscious check-in. They, they'll say that sometimes in a, it's an unconscious, um, almost automatic check-in, and then mm. they'll readjust what they're doing at that point. And I think it's a really strong skill Yeah. Um, where it doesn't require an extensive amount of effort. It's just a mini two-second. Am I going? Am I good? And, um, and recognizing if if they need a bit more time for themselves or whether they need time with others to connect um yeah or or it's time for play or or whether it's and i think sometimes we're so good at disconnecting mm-hmm. from ourselves you know whether it's being productive at work or or um i work with a lot of athletes as well and and sometimes my my athletes are so wonderful at shutting out pain that in their day to day, they forget to check in with themselves and and just to see what their body needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those are such insightful and practical mental health tips. I'm I'm guilty myself um, about like sh- you know shutting off emotions and being productive rather than checking in. So everything you just mentioned, I guess you know it. You know, for example, play is really mostly associated with children and and young people, for example. But I think as adults, we really need to incorporate play in our day to day as well. And that's that's something that we tend to forget or take mm-hmm. for granted. Um, and I love what your client said about resetting. That's so true. I think we, we all need a reset from time to time. Um, and it's it's good to be aware of that. Um, and even just the concept of being your own best friend. Um, you know, the, the, the whole adage of, um, you know, if, if a friend tells you something, like, how would you respond to them? So it's like our own mm-hmm. like inner dialogue and our own self-talk is, is so pertinent. Um, and I think, you know, with journaling, you know, with my clients as well, that, that's a big thing. I think being able to put pen to paper is, is in a way, like much more, um, it is much more powerful than than like typing something out or just like you know keeping something in your head. I think it's it's good to kind of release um, like our emotions and our thoughts uh, with no filter. Um, mm-hmm. I really love how you said that basically the body scan has become a habit. So it's been ingrained as a habit now. So it's almost like an unconscious activity that happens. Um, that, that's when you know something's really effective and useful. So I think obviously you you have really benefited your clients with with that. And um, I haven't heard of the effort-driven reward um, circuit, so I will I will look into that. Um, is is there like a book specifically about that, or like no? I think it was papers? an article. I think it was just an article. I just come across um, Kelly Lambert um, had written about it, and, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, and mm. I was actually reflecting with um, one of my colleagues, and she said, mm. oh, that's fascinating because. And she was joking and she said, you know, maybe this is why I love finger food so much because I make the finger food, I eat it. And it's yes. so rewarding on a dual level because I'm tasting it, but it's also I'm making it. Um, and, you know, we were laughing about it, but it was it was great. I, I loved her, her example of it. Um, but yeah, and I, I mean, it makes sense. I think when I, when I look at it and I, and I can see how that relates to a lot of the activities I enjoy. Um, and I think mm-hmm. when people talk about gardening and how they find it so therapeutic, I can see how it would be because it, 
you know, you're, you're touching the ground, you're touching the soil, you're, you're picking and you're uh, manipulating different textures. Mm. Um, I think, you know, slightly related to play, the concept of play, you know, we don't, we don't do things to get mm. dirty and get our hands into things as we get older because it, it's seen as, oh, you know, it's, it's time wasting or, or it's not resourceful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I can definitely see the benefits of, you know, whether it's Play-Doh and, like, you know, kids and, and play therapy and Play-Doh and, and using different textures um, and the feedback that gives to your brain as well. I imagine that's, um, yeah, really therapeutic. Yeah, um, I was actually talking to a friend um, not long ago how there should be like sensory classes for adults. Um, I feel like we really uh, focus that on children. Um, but I think as adults, we would really benefit from that as well. Um, there's there's a movement in my life of friends who are really into knitting. So yes. like I, I feel like that's something that maybe I, I can try to take up because I haven't done that in years. But again, like you said, um, it, it's using our hands getting getting down in, in the sandbox kind of thing isn't it yeah just, um, getting your hands dirty and yeah and I think um I feel like knitting seems to be a, a post-pandemic response mm. it seems to have been a coping strategy for, for for a lot of people who are at home um I think bread making is the other one bread making and kneading mm. and knitting where you're using your hands and you're creating something whether you know delicious or or something you can wear. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Kneading and knitting. I love that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Pei, I'm really curious. Do you want to tell our listeners about um, your research and your PhD? Yeah, so I'm in my final five months of PhD. And if you talk to anyone who's completing their PhD, that's probably the most uh, daunting Um, So my research is on how children's views are heard in child protection proceedings. Um, And to do that, I'm interviewing experts in the courts. So I don't know if you you watch movies where there's 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 usually an expert witness um, who um, speaks to children um, and they convey those views to the court. Um, and they also usually write reports. So um, my thesis was about um, the views of the experts themselves, who are usually social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, and I also reviewed um, about 70 reports um, by by these clinicians as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of analysis, a lot of pulling apart themes, but essentially, it's looking at how do we, as mental health professionals, you know, with these expertise, um, ensure that children have a say and have a voice about what is important to them, because decisions are being made about where they live, you know, who they have contact with, how much they get to see mom and dad, how much they get to see their siblings. Sometimes siblings are separated, which is not the best but sometimes that's necessary um and most of the time decisions are made without children's input so this is about how we recognize children's rights to to have a part um Mm. in decisions made about them and a lot of the time children in care also come with with their own vulnerabilities so you know their own history of trauma they might have had exposure to substances in utero. So sometimes it's really hard for them to communicate what they, they want to say or who's important to them. And and coming back to our themes earlier on mm. on loyalty, there's the, the loyalty to family. You know, you I can't imagine any child who would want to say, Mom and Dad did this, therefore, you know, I'm gonna split my family apart. No child's ever mm. gonna say that. Um, most of the time they'll say it wasn't as bad as what people were saying. You know, I mm. You know, I want to preserve my family. And that's a really tricky space for, for children. Um, and clinicians are also very good at interpreting children's behaviours. So it's looking at how children might express who they feel safe with. So some of the assessments involves sitting with the child with their families and seeing, um, you know, the nature of their relationships, their attachments, um, 
you know, I've sat in a room where this young child, um, when the when the parent left the room, ran up to the door and put their backs to it, arms out wide to shut the parent out, and that's very telling. And and in other situations, I've sat in a room where mm. um, the child sees us as um, strangers who are breaking up the family, which is probably a fair assumption. Um, mm. And and almost you know just death stared us and and just said you know let me tell you about my family because I am the expert of my family if you are going to yes. be making decisions decisions um it's really important you know how I feel and, and I think that's valid um mm. yeah so that's what my research is about it's it's about making sure that children's voices aren't lost in this process because a lot of the times with proceedings it's very much about what the parent's done, what the parent hasn't done, what the parent can do, uh, what their arrangements are from a adult perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's making sure we we look at the whole family unit, not just one side or both sides yeah. um, of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- that sounds like really holistic, important work that you're doing. And it, it's about time that children are seen as experts in their own lives um, and that their voices are listened to and actually respected. So mm. thank you. I'm, I'm excited to, to read it once it's done. Thank you. If you want to share it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but was there anything else you wanted to share with us today? Oh, I think it was just joyous to be able to just, you know, go back to this movie that had you know, a lot of childhood memories for me, but then also looking in, you know, through a lens now that's obviously very different like 20 years down the track um, in terms of just seeing how far we've come in terms of, I think that, you know, the, those values of honor, duty, loyalty hasn't, hasn't changed, but how we express them and how we we've adapted in 21st century. is So interesting, not, not just for women, but, you know, just, you know, for everyone of, of how we balance family and, um, and also what's important to us and, and mastery of skill because essentially that's also what the movie is about of, of um, how, how you balance you know, a skill set that you have and, and what's philosophically important to you and how you balance that with, with other things that's important mm-hmm. in your life, whether it's, whether it's a loved one or whether it's a, it's a community um, or whether it's one person or two people and, and whether there's tensions between those worlds. Mm. yeah I think like yeah the key theme um, that we talked about today I guess is balance like like you mentioned Mm -hmm. before yeah balance is such a huge thing in life I mean all aspects of life really but um thank you for talking um to us about Crashing Tiger Hidden Dragon and sharing your unique mental health health tips today and um maybe if we end up watching the the second installment we can um talk about that as well yeah a little thank you Pei yeah thank thank you. you Thanks, everyone. The Movie Health Podcast is proudly supported by Telemoods by eClapper Project Inc. Telemoods recommends which movies and TV series to watch by matching the user's mood and real-time offer of all streaming platforms. Download Telemoods today.